Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. You're listening to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. Tune in every week to hear honest conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness, and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. I want to provide you with the tools, guidance, motivation to help you navigate through your own recovery and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. On this week's episode, I have Katie from Sober Saturdays. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge my guests and their stories And honestly, they never cease to amaze me. And this episode is no different. You know, looking at Katie's Instagram and her personality and her vibrancy, you would never know or even have an inkling to her story of how she grew up and how she was raised. And on this episode of the podcast, you find out exactly, exactly her experience her feelings, and her darkest, deepest fears growing up as a young kid having to make all these adult decisions. I can't help but think when I was editing this podcast, you know, I was laughing and I was crying at the same time because just the the things that Katie talks about are so devastating, for lack of a better word. And the woman that she has become and and is growing into is absolutely inspiring. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Here we go. Hey, Katie, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Um, awesome. I'm so stoked to talk to you. I'm very obsessed with Sober Saturdays. Your Instagram that is, is good my hear. fave. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Definitely my new fave. Uh, so I wanted to just jump right into it and I want to know your story. I want to know your recovery journey. I want to know everything about you. Let's like from the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Start from way back when, how did it all All go down? All right, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I was born on May 20th. Yeah. 1992. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, my mom had me when she was 15. Um, Yeah, she had my sister when she was 17. Okay. Growing up, um, 
I lived with my grandparents for the first little bit. That was, okay. and and then like kind of with my mom on and off in Vancouver, but not really. I don't really. Oh, in Vancouver. Remember. Yeah, but I'm from Kelowna originally. Oh no way! Where in Vancouver did you grow yeah. up? Um, I think it was Richmond, but I wouldn't call it even growing up. I'd okay. call it like weird vacations. <laughs> okay. Weird, weird vacations. <laughs> Got it. Um, okay. but then yeah, so I moved back in with my grandparents <clears throat> a few times. And, mm-hmm. um, then my, my mom's brother, so my uncle got married and my mom just happened to fall in love with his, my uncle's wife's sister. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was weird. And, um, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now, uh, so then my mom ended up getting married to this guy. And, um, Wait. that was just dreadful. So we lived in, uh, Devon, um, which is just like a little town just outside of Edmonton. And that was just like super abusive, like, like physically and verbally. And yeah, it was just, it was pretty and a really intense time. Um, yeah. how old were you I, uh, during this time? Uh, yeah, I was in, I was in grade two when I first moved back, and it was only okay. a three year span, but it was like it was like the worst three years of anyone's existence. Um, my mom ended up having like two more kids, and it was interesting because like my I guess my stepdad at the time he his family had money, and so mm-hmm. we lived in this like big big gorgeous house. And like at the beginning, like I remember me and my sister were on like the top floor, and we each had our own rooms, and like by the end we were like in the basement in this like makeshift room that my stepdad built. And my mom had like a sanctuary room upstairs and we were just like in the basement. Oh my God. Um, like Cinderella. Yeah. It was weird. And like, they were always messed up all the time. So I took care of everyone at all times. And okay. that was a lot. Um, I remember at yeah. school, I was going to school in Edmund and Spruce Grove, I think. But I remember okay. like specifically like, cause the police were over at my house, like really often. Um, they almost like oh. didn't take us, seri- yeah, they almost didn't take us seriously anymore because of how frequently things were going on. Like we tried to run away a bunch and stuff and it just like, it just always came back to the same thing. But I remember, okay. um, in class, I remember this one day my teacher was like, yeah, this is like our school therapist. If like you ever have anything you need to talk about, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, go see them at the office. And I remember like this one weekend, like things were pretty bad and like I had, I had ended up breaking my leg the week before. Like, I can't remember what happened or like my ankle or something. Um, <sighs> but so I like, um, and then you can like request whether you want to talk to a male or a female. So like mm-hmm. I asked to speak to the therapist and I put that I want to speak to a woman on the back. And then when I got in there, it was a man and I just got way too scared. And I was like, Oh, I was just feeling self-conscious because of my leg, but I dealt with that. Now it's fine. <laughs> and Aww. then the next, yeah, then the next day, um, I guess that night, um, my mom and my stepdad at the time got in this massive fight. And when the police came over, um, usually we, my sister and I like wouldn't really say anything, but I, I don't know why I just decided to like kind of give them a tour of the house and like yeah. everything that like used to be there and now is broken or gone or just like pretty much just like a, I didn't know how else to get through to them because they just wouldn't listen, you know? Right. Um, and so that night, um, I guess it was like emergency respite. We got taken away um, by social services. And we got flown to Kelowna to go with my grandparents, me mm-hmm. and my sister did. And then my brothers ended up staying with my stepdad. Um, and we didn't see them for a really long time. So I moved in with my grandparents and it, that was a really weird time. Cause I had, that was, I was in grade five at that point. Mm-hmm. And 
I was so used to being the adult that like when I moved back in with my grandparents, like I wasn't used to like, like being told what to do. And I just had like all these pent up emotions that like weren't really going anywhere, mostly just because like, like with social services and stuff, they, you have like court orders that you have to go to therapists and stuff, but they're all kind of the same. Like they're not really trying to help you heal as an individual. Like I found that they were just trying to, I don't know, kind of like morph you into this way that social services thinks that you should be like integrated back into society. And so I kind of oh. just got, I kind of just got good at saying to them what they needed to hear so I could get out of it. Um, right, right, right. Yeah. But so, um, yeah, I was in school and things at home were kind of just all over the place. Like my grandparents aren't very well off and like my mom and her brothers, they're all messed up. So they always like take all like money from them. And it's just really stressful. We lived in like the top half of the half duplex. And okay. um, me and my sister shared a bed and like things like that. And then, so yeah, I was in class one day and I was, it was like the night before I'd gotten like a big fight with my grandparents and I was, just, I just like couldn't focus in class. My teacher like pulled me aside and she had like noticed kind of like over time, like that things like this were happening. Anyways, I ended up like talking to them about like my journey, I guess. And then mm-hmm. um, my teacher actually um, ended up fostering me. So Oh, wow. Um, for, yeah, it was actually really cool. She's an amazing woman. She's a teacher. And, um, at first she thought she couldn't have kids. So she ended up adopting, um, two boys, uh, Teddy and Bear. And, um, Cute. yeah, they, I know it's so adorable. Um, and they're both autistic. And, um, mm-hmm. then she ended up having her own daughter afterwards, which was like a miracle for them. And then oh, wow. I jumped on board. Yeah. And then I jumped in there. Um, but it was a weird situation. Like it was, it was the perfect family for me to be fit into, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and like at this point in my life, I had signed so much paperwork as a child. Like I like didn't even look at it anymore. And then this one day, I don't know why, but like I got some paperwork in front of me and I noticed that they were trying to adopt me and they kind of just like slipped it in. And I was like, wait a second. I don't want to be adopted. And like no one understood. They're like, why wouldn't you want to be adopted? And like, I don't right, know why teacher, in my mind. Right? Yeah. And like, it, it was a yeah. really good fit. Like, I don't know if I'd say I regret doing that, but at that moment in time, like I, I was just so, I had like engraved in my brain that people were getting paid to keep me. And like, just mm-hmm. by, by moving around so much, like I went to a different school every year of my life. Like you always just feel a little awkward. So like, I feel like I can go into any situation and know how to speak to anyone just because I've been in so many situations, but yeah, it just never. To. Yeah, it just never felt concrete. Like, I always know that if something happened, like, I was not actually their kid, you know, or like, if I was mm-hmm. truly myself, and like, it wasn't something they liked, like, they would just like, give me back to the government sort of thing. So like, my entire life, I've just been like, trying to be independent. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then so I was there for four years. And um, well, yeah, so how I got there? Oh, yeah, I forgot. So how I got there was because um, my grandpa sat me down. And he was like, Katie, I can't afford to keep both you and your sister. Um, I'm not sure what to do. And I'm, I'm like in grade five and I was like, my little oh sister's my really sensitive. Yeah. She's really, really sensitive. And I knew that she wouldn't do well if she had to, if she had to go into like another home. So I offered to right. go by myself and yeah, that's how that's happened. Oh my God. In then, grade five? You're yeah, a baby. No, grade five. Oh, baby. <laughs> yeah. And then so I was in the foster home and it's really great. Um, but this, my, I guess my dad at the time there, he ended up having like a closet. He was a closet alcoholic and I didn't 
know. And I don't think a lot of the family knew for a long time either. And like, right. now that I look back, I can tell, like he would call me while he was at work and be like, Oh, I like accidentally left a wine bottle by the, by the shoes. Would you mind just like putting it in the recycling? And I'm like, Oh yeah, of course. And then like, kind of like escalated. It's like, Oh, I forgot an empty Mickey and the rafters in the basement. Like, would you mind? <laughs> and I was just like, okay, wait, <laughs> this is what? getting weird. Yeah. And then it kind of came out that like, yeah, that he was like going through all this stuff. And so that was also hard because like every father figure I ever had kind of was like, when it was convenient for them, I was their daughter. But then like, you know, when right. it became too much or like if I had my own say in something, it was like, oh, like I, you always just end up getting ditched pretty much. And that's how I felt. So I just like was so adamant about like just getting out on my own and just like doing my own thing. Yeah. So after four years, my grandpa kind of came around and was like, yeah, like I can afford both of you now. And so I had to like get an advocate. Like it was so weird being in foster care. Like if I wanted to have a sleepover with a friend, like I had to like call my social worker, get like a background check on my friend's parents, get them to sign a form. Like a week later, I'm allowed to have a sleepover sort of thing. And so Whoa. that was awkward. Yeah. Especially in Kelowna, like no one, like everyone is well off and everyone is gorgeous and everyone has like a, you know, like a family. And so like, I was the only person that was kind of going through things like that. Yeah, it it was, yeah, it was weird. So we ended up moving back in with my grandparents, but it was like for the shortest amount of time. I can't remember something happened. And my uncle, I think like ended up taking a bunch of money from them. And then, so we, we were going to go, um, stay with my aunt, um, my aunt and uncle, but they didn't want to keep us at all because they kind of just figured like where like my mom is she's got a lot of mental problems mostly drug induced but they okay. they pretty much just like didn't want us there because they kind of thought like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree sort of thing uh gotcha yeah so we went into um what we thought was an emergency um an emergency i guess like just for a little while like respite mm -hmm. i guess um at this point i'm like 17 and we're there, but it's like this woman, my sister's really close with her. I'm not, but I don't know. I, f I just found it to be really interesting. Like she didn't work when we lived there. She just like had four foster kids and like, that no. was it. And like, yeah. And it just felt kind of weird. Like she would say that like my sister was saying shit about me to me and then like not to tell her. And then she would say the same stuff to my sister. And like this went on for like five months where like, me and my sister were just battling because we thought we were saying stuff behind each other's back, but like she just said we right. were. And then eventually we figured that out. That's but super my sister, manipulative. Like, yeah, I know. And then like, so I like talked to my sister about this and she, my sister is completely different in the sense that she really, re it's really important to her that she's like liked and feels a sense of belonging. And so she mm -hmm. clings to like any sort of like parent figure, whether it's my grandparents or her friend's mom and dad, you know, she'll call them mom and dad or like, she like, as soon as my mom got married, like day one, she's like calling this guy dad, you know, like right away. And wow. so like, she didn't even like take my side on things. She was just like, no, like Lynn's my mom now. So oh, I, I don't mm -hmm. know if I should be name dropping, whatever. Um, That's no, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. So what happened after that? Oh yeah. So when you turn, since I got taken away from my parents in Alberta, technically the government mm -hmm. of Alberta is my parent. Um, but I was living in BC. Okay. So they have this cool program called Advancing Futures and pretty much they'll pay for your schooling until you're 25. Um, okay. which is great because like you have no parents to ask for help or anything. So exactly. When you turn 18, um, the government stops paying your foster parents for you. 
So literally on my 18th birthday, she was like, okay, you can't stay here anymore unless you're going to pay. And I'm like, I'm in high school. I <laughs> work at an ice cream parlor. Like what? So pretty much I, oh my God. Yeah. So I'm, I moved out to Alberta, um, by myself, like on my 18th birthday, no money, no clothes. Like I just had my clothes on my back sort of thing. And yeah, I yeah. moved here. I had, I didn't know anyone. I was saying like with one of my mom's friends, which was good for a little bit, but I ended up like moving out pretty quickly just cause I don't know. It was just a little weird, but mm-hmm. yeah. So I'd say I started using drugs when I was in high school. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I wanted to, I, I always thought it was really, really important that I had a good relationship with my sister. Like I was always just yeah. trying to tell her, like, I was like there, it's only us. Like we need to be in alliance together, but she, she just never like wanted that. Like it was always more important to her that she like looked cool at school than like being with me, you know, like it, it was weird. Mm. She would like make fun of me at school and then at home be like, Hey, what's up? And I'm like, what is going on here? I know yeah. you're Gemini, but this is weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> like what? <laughs> and, um, yeah. So you let, you went to Alberta oh, yeah. at 18. Yeah. So my grandpa, I got my license. Um, and I wanted to take, like, I wanted to like try and have like a moment with my sister. So I wanted to take her to a hockey game in Merritt, which is like, I don't know, you have to drive on the Coquihalla, which is like Canada's most dangerous highway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was winter and my grandpa has this like little Suzuki Swift. So we end up like telling my grandpa that we're staying at my friend Beth's house and we actually weren't. And we were driving across to go to this hockey game. And like, I'd done, I'd snuck out with my friends before and done this. So I was like, why can't I do it? We ended up going on a night right. where like the road conditions were dreadful. And my sister oh my has, gosh. yeah, it's bad. Like my sister has a bone density disease. So like literally like if she walks and fall like trips and she tries to catch herself, her arms will break sort of thing. Oh Anyways. No. Yeah. So we're driving and, um, it's really weird. Like we always wear our seatbelts, but for some reason we weren't wearing our seatbelts. And I remember looking at her, I was like, this is weird. We should put our seatbelts on. So she's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So we put our seatbelts on. And then the, like, I'm going under the speed limit, but it's like super icy. And like, we haven't seen another vehicle on the road for like the whole 40 minutes we've already been driving. And I was like, this is weird. But we end up like Whoa. sliding. And then, so I like try and correct it. And then we slide the other way and then we get traction. We end up flipping this car six times in the middle <gasps> of nowhere. Yeah. Like literally the middle of nowhere. And so I get out, I'm totally fine, totally conscious. Like our shit's everywhere, but my sister is like delusional. She can't stand. She's like incoherent. And I'm like, holy fuck. Like it's snowing. There's no one around. Like she's clearly hurt. Our stuff is everywhere. The tar, the car is absolutely totaled. Like the only reason why the, the roof, like the ceiling of the car was still on was because like the seats were keeping it from like squishing our heads pretty much. And Oh my God. So. This, this one truck ends up coming by. This guy's like pretty sketchy. He's like, okay, you guys can get in my truck. He's like, I'll drop you off at the hospital. He's like, but you can't say like what, like who I am or like anything. He's like, we're not talking on the way there. So like, I'm just trying to keep my sister awake <laughs> because I'm scared that she's going to like, like, yeah, she has a concussion. If she falls asleep, she's just not going to wake up sort of thing. So I'm like trying to like stay calm. And it's really weird because like growing up in a fucked up situation, like I am the most calm and like, 10 out of 10 stress. Like when something like this happened, I'm just like, okay, what do I need to do now? Like it's weird. Yeah. And so you're like super proactive. Yeah. So we get to the hospital and like my sister ends up, she broke her ankle and her knee and her elbow. And yeah. And so I have to go, my grandpa works 
he worked at a uh, gas station at the time. He works at Graveyard Sit. Mm-hmm. So I have to go there and tell him what I did. And oh no, just dreadful. So I had to go in there and I was like, Grandpa, like, I'm so sorry. Like, we lied. I stole the car. We tried to drive to a hockey game. We got into an accident. We rolled it. Tisha's in the hospital. And like, he starts laughing at first because he thinks it's a joke. He's like, no, it's not. And I was like, no, Grandpa, I'm serious. Like, this is what happened. And he was just like, like, just like blank face. You know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, after she came back home, like. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally, and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. We, like I wasn't injured physically, but like, my family was very mad at me and my, my foster parents were very mad at me. And so, um, mm. no one, no one would talk to me. Like I would go to school and like everyone was just pissed off. And I remember the doctor gave us like, gave us Tramiset. I think it's like some sort of painkiller. And like, that's kind of what I first started yeah. taking. And I, d- I didn't take okay. it like habitually or anything. Like I think I took it a couple times and I just would like sit there and like stare at a wall pretty much. Like I just like didn't want to feel mm-hmm. anything. Um, mm-hmm. and then after that, like I, growing up, I was always like, I don't want, like, I'm never, I'm not going to do drugs. Like I didn't smoke weed in high school or anything. And because I was like, I was mm-hmm. given the best example of like, what the fuck not to do. Like, just do the opposite of your mom and you'll be fine. And right. So, so yeah. So, um, then I remember like being like in Kelowna, you have to be 19 to drink. And when you graduate, you're 18. So we have all these like dirt hill parties and stuff. <laughs> Cause you can't go to the bar. <laughs> and so right. I got this like one dirt hill party. And I remember this like girl that I admired, like she was like, she played all the sports with me and like she had good grades and like she was always just like on top of her shit. And I remember like she had took a pill of ecstasy and I was like, well, if she can do it, I'm like, then I'm capable of right. doing it. So I remember I like stayed up all night and like used like an entire thing of lip chap. And like <laughs> the next day I got like tonsillitis oh and strep throat at the same time. And it was like, no, yeah, I'm serious. And I was just like, my oh, life dude. is over. What is this life? Like, all I want to do is graduate so I can get the fuck out of here and start my actual life. Right. Like, that's all I wanted. <laughs> and so, oh my God. Yeah. So that was dreadful. And then I ended up just like, <laughs> I just ended up doing like a shit ton of MDMA and ecstasy for a while. <laughs> and then when I moved out to, when I moved out to what, well, which like when I talk about it to like, I remember like talking about it with myself and I was like, I mm-hmm. am grateful that I did do those drugs because it, it sounds so weird, but it gave me confidence. Like it changed my perspective and things and made me like realize that I was going to be okay on my own. Like I didn't take, yeah, I didn't take those drugs to numb myself. I took them to like broaden my perspective, if that makes sense. And so like, okay. So like, I remember just like having these like deep, deep thoughts all the time. And I was just like, you know, like, I'm not this town. Like, I'm not like, 
any of this. Like I was just like, all I need to do is like focus on getting out and then it'll be good. And so that's pretty much what I did. I just like kept my head down for that last little bit on my 18th birthday, literally a lined out of there and came here. So then I'm so stoked to go to school. I get to like the advancing futures office and I'm like, Hey, like I'm here in August, ready to start in September, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And they're like, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G. Oh, well your foster mom didn't send in the paperwork for you to apply and that you can only apply once a year. And I was just like, are you fucking serious? Like I drove all the way here. Don't know anyone have absolutely zero money. And now you're telling me I have to wait an entire year before I get any sort of funding. And I pretty much just like lost my shit in the (laughs) office. Cause like, I don't even have a place to live. And I was like, like what is going on? And so then I had to like fight for an advocate because like I don't like yeah I had to fight for an advocate so I could fight for some sort of assistance into like at least getting into a place and like help get like getting help with like pots and pans and things like that because like literally people Mm -hmm. don't understand like those little things you just never you don't get when you're like brought up like I was and like just like like little things that everyone thinks is so for like second nature like just like, like hugging and stuff. Like I remember, like I didn't get hugged by my mom very much growing up. And like, when I like moved out on my own and I started like serving, I noticed like all these girls like touching each other's hair and like freaking hugging each other Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I was like, I have no idea how this works. I don't know how to hug, where to put my arm. They want to hug. Like, how long do I hold it? Do I go one over one under or like, (laughs) what's the deal? Like it was yeah. weird. Where do I put my hands? Yeah. And like my friends oh, knew, like if I hugged them, like I, I'd been thinking about it for fucking 20 minutes, you know, I was like, okay, Aww. this is a hugging moment. I know. And then like, I'd get anxious about it. I'm like, right. okay, I have them this time. Does that mean I have to hug them every time from now on? Or like, do people, right. like, am I obligated to hug people at certain times? Like it was just this huge ordeal. Anyways. So Aww. I ended up getting this, this, uh, yeah, advocate and I, stayed I lived with her and I didn't do uh I didn't do drugs for a a little bit there mostly just because I didn't really know where to get them and I didn't have anyone to do them with (laughs) (laughs) um but then I started so yeah I moved here when I was 18 and suddenly I was legal to drink because I wasn't where I'm from 
And right. I got like my first bar job and I was like, what is this? I've never been in a bar in my life. Cause I never snuck into bars. Like all the girls in my school and stuff, they always got like fake IDs. And I was like, I don't even one, I don't want to go to a condensed space with all of these people I don't like. And two, I definitely don't want to yeah. be around them when I'm drunk. <laughs> so yeah. I just like never went. And then, so yeah, I like went to my first bar and I was like, this is nuts. Ended up like working there. Um, <laughs> made so much money. No idea where it went. Like I remember on New Year's once I like, made $900 in an hour and a half and then got sent home because I was so wasted. And I was like, where did that money go? Whoa. <laughs> no one taught me yeah. how to do this. Like, and like, yeah, it sucks also because you, you don't have anyone to just like lean on. Like, I remember if I was having a bad day, like I couldn't just like call my mom and be like, hi, today was really hard. It was like, nope, you have no one yeah. to call. Like, and like, also like if you were having family issues, you can't really like just bring it up to your new friends and be like, yeah, my drug addict mom just got out of prison and she's trying to stay with me and I had to say no. Like, and now I'm upset and right. I can't come mini golfing. It's like, you know, yeah. it's like, nice it's, to meet you. Yeah, I'm just like, hi, <laughs> I've got a lot of baggage. Please go away. You're making me uncomfortable. Don't expect a hug. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, don't even ask. <laughs> out of the question. Yeah, don't even ask me. But yeah, so then I li I've lived here for eight years now and um, since working in the bars, like I did a lot of networking and the, those were literally my first friends ever. Like I had never had any friends. Girls were so mean to me at school. And, mm. or if I did have friends, it was like short lived and like, I don't know. It was just a weird time. So then I was, I created all these new anxieties because I didn't want to lose these friends. So I just like, I became this person, this like, yes person. Like I, even if I wanted to say no, I couldn't say no to things because I was just so worried that if I said no to invitations that I would stop getting invited. So like, I'd be that right. person, where, like I'd just be getting into bed and someone would call me at like, I don't know, whatever time after work, like 4am and be like, Hey, we're going to go do this. Do you want to come? And I'd be like, literally putting the covers on. And I'd be like, yep, yeah, be right there. Like take the covers off and go. And <laughs> Which was like fun for a little bit until you like, thank God Snapchat was not a thing then. Like, holy crap. That would have sucked. But oh my god, the the FOMO. Oh my god, yeah, the FOMO was so real. It was just so bad, and so yeah. Then I, I guess, yeah, started partying then, but not like with ecstasy or anything like that. Like I think at first I went to like my first rave ever, which was like crazy. It was in like West mm -hmm. Edmonton Mall when the venue was still there, and it was like two floors, and everyone was dressed in white, and like you could go outside, and everyone what? was wearing fur, and I was just like what and it was just this crazy Holy. thing and so i ended up making friends with like west edmonton mall gets down yeah <laughs> i ended up like making friends with like all of these bar like every bar owner like any sort of like dj or like performer like i just knew everyone and so it, i kind of got to this point where I, I tried to like slow down a bit and, <laughs> and this is how i tried so i tried to i made a rule with myself i was like okay i'll only drink and party if it's free <laughs> I'm like, I'm not paying for okay. it. I was like, that's going to, that'll yeah. slow it down. Great boundary. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Way to go. 20 year old yeah. me <laughs> really making moves. <laughs> and, but it got to a point where like, I just knew so many people, like I, everything was just free all the time. And right. So yeah, that was something. So I worked there for a while. Um, and then I, I stopped working at the bars and I started working at cactus club instead, which was like more, it was more like okay. regular schedule, which was nice. Um, and I really, I got mm -hmm. into yoga like hardcore. 
for like 10, nice. yeah, for 10, like 12 years, I just did like yoga for so long. Like I started in high school once and I just like didn't stop, but I got really into it in Kelowna or in Edmonton, mostly because I played a lot of team sports growing up. And then when I moved here, I didn't know anyone. So that was like a singular sport okay. you could do. Um, but I got like really into it and I ended up say like, I wanted to, I did this yoga teacher training, which was like four grand, four grand for someone who started with nothing and is expected to save four grand. That's oh. a freaking lot. And then after that, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a lot for anyone. Right. <laughs> so after that training, but, I was yeah. like, all right, I'm ready for the world. And then I started working at a different yoga studio and you need to take their specific training in order to work with them. And like, they're like mm. the largest train chain of like yoga studios. So I was like, okay, I want to work with them. So I like volunteered there for two years. And then you have to like kind of convince them that you're willing to whatever do that, like participate, I guess. So this thing okay. was so expensive. So it was in Nicaragua. I had to save up. <laughs> it's a, like a whole other story. What? Yeah. I had, it, it ended up costing like, like 10 grand or something. And like, it was insane. Like it's, it's like such a long, hilarious story, but I don't even think we have time for it. <laughs> but I ended up like, <laughs> like, like the day before I was supposed to go. Cause I like, I was just trying to like trust the universe. Like I paid for the course, but I hadn't paid for yeah. my accommodations yet. And I had paid for my flight there, but I hadn't paid for my flight back. And the day before, <laughs> yeah, I had like been working this job, um, that was on salary and I was like a personal assistant, but the, uh, and the only reason why I was doing it is because it was going to give me exactly the right amount of money to have my accommodations and my flight home. But the company ended up going into like, I don't know, foreclosure, like two days before I'm supposed to go on this trip. And I had been oh, paid in like no. two months. So I was like four, yeah, I was like at least four grand short and no way home. And so I like, remember like oh, crying in my bed at one point, I was like, I've worked so hard for this. I've saved up all this money and like, I'm just failing. And then I don't know why I just like sat up and I was like, you know what? You can either sit here and pout or you have 12 hours to like try and fucking figure it out. And I was just like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I ended up just like sitting down and like, even like wow. through uh, like all my uncomfortability, I ended up like emailing like my foster mom's sister in New York. And I was just like, listen, like, and I don't talk to like anyone ever, let alone ask for like anything. And I was just like, right. this is what happened. I need $4,000 tonight. <laughs> Help. <laughs> And she pretty much was like, yeah. okay, like you have to, um, pretty much like show me that what you've already paid for. So like, I know that you're like, it's legit and stuff like send me your flights and whatnot. And she ended up giving it to me, which was amazing. I like, go down for like a month and a half, still have no money though. Like I went to another country with $10 for three months. Like <gasps> that's what I did and no way home. So I was just like, no, it's going to work out. I don't know. Plus I also have no parents telling me not to. So it was like, okay spring break. Like, right. <laughs> it was the most stressful time of my life. I did not I, like, it was very, I learned a lot about myself, but I mostly just learned that I didn't want to work for that company. <laughs> so I got back yeah. and I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Thank you for that. <laughs> and then I it like messed up my, thanks for the lesson. Yeah, I like mess up my identity though, because I'd, I'd been the yoga chick for like five years now, you know, and like all my Instagram stories were like, headstands and like all these like what I thought were the most complicated like friggin yoga poses and then I came back and I was like I don't want to do right. that and then I like didn't know who I was or what I was doing and so I started working uh -huh. in the bars again and that's like kind of when I started partying again and right. it, was, it was fun until it wasn't like I 
Like it was mm-hmm. good until I realized I wasn't doing it for fun anymore. Or like that I found myself like just trying to stay up because I was too nervous for tomorrow. Like my life had just gotten stressful and I didn't know what I wanted to do or who I was or like who my friends were. So I was just like, I don't know, just trying to avoid it while also trying to justify to myself that like late night high talks were like how you were going to get through to yourself. <laughs> it's not, well, maybe, right. but you should probably write it down. <laughs> you don't. And um, yeah, so I kind of had the idea of Sober Saturdays last February and like I was still drinking and stuff then. Um, and it was, a, it was, a, I was at a moon circle with my friends and, okay. um, like we, we do it every new moon and we kind of just like set goals and kind of, I don't know, it like makes us more accountable. And I just like realized yeah. a, f- a frequent sort of problem with all of these girls was just like all of their, like all of their boyfriends were like either DJs or like owned establishments or like they were into like creating events. And so our entire life for the last like 10 years has just been socializing and making friends and networking through partying and that we'd all kind of come to a point where we were like, okay, this isn't going to last forever, but we literally don't know how to socialize without drinking or doing drugs. Yeah. So a couple of the girls that were there, one of them had been sober for, I think like four months or something, which I just remember looking at her being like, you are insane. Like I was like, since I turned 18, I haven't stopped drinking for more than like three weeks. Like (laughs) when you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. Yeah. And yeah. so another girl was like saying, she's like, yeah, it sucks. This is like the whole point of Sober Saturdays, like where it was born was because she was like, yeah, like I've stopped partying, but she's like, I have, she was like, I have to stay home. And she's like, I have no reason to dress up. I have nothing fun to do. She's like, none of my friends are doing things during the day. And she's like, I just feel like right. I, I don't even know how to talk to people anymore unless I'm under some sort of influence. And I just remember like looking up at the sky, like pondering. And I was like, hmm. I was like, we're all having this feeling. And we're all like, yeah. And I was like, in my head, I was just like, but we have all of the tools to make the perfect party. I was like, we know all the DJs. We know all the restaurant and bar owners. Like we have so many connections. I was like, I just remember like looking at them. I was like, we should just make it. 
And they were like, yeah, good idea, Katie. <laughs> They're like, and I was just like, no, like, I swear. I was like, this could work. And so like I had one friend who was yeah. down to help me. And, and so like I, it started off selling, like I was still like drinking and partying a little bit, like way less, but a little bit while I was still, when I was creating this program, I guess. And, but I was justifying it because mm-hmm. at first I was like, well, I was like, how are you going to target young kids and be like, yeah, you can never drink and like convince them that it won't be boring or fun. Or like, I, w- I was trying, I was really tr- hard trying to justify like harm reduction. Um, like for me, mm-hmm. I definitely know that if I give myself a rule, like you can't drink, then I will just want to break that rule. So for me, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, like, I'm not, I don't need no rules. I have no parents. I'll do what I want. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I don't need permission. <laughs> it's like caging a raccoon. Yes. Like you can't cage a wild animal. It does not no. work out. So yeah. for me, it was like, my big thing was like, I, I found power and the ability to say no every time. So like, instead of, and like changing my verbiage around it. So instead of being like, oh yeah, I can't drink that. Or like, um, yeah, like things like that. I'd be like, I would say no. And I'd feel good about it because I was like, I know at that moment, like I still had the decision and I was able to say no on my own without having to be like, no, I can't because of this or like having to justify why I'm not drinking. It was just like my own decision. And that gave me power. Um, yeah. And so that was good. Like Sober Saturdays was moving super slowly at the beginning. My other friend ended up bailing. It was just too big of an idea for her. And so I was just like, like, how the fuck am I going to do this by myself? Which also kind of made me drink a bit more, <laughs> ironically. Um, <laughs> okay. And then... So what really got things going was I was out one night with just people I didn't know and I ended up getting date raped and there was just 12 hours of my life that I don't <gasps> remember. And like, from what I was told, it was like, I just like, I, this guy like dropped me off at a friend's house and I had like peed my pants in the back of his car. And like, I don't remember any of this. And like, I just got a new puppy and like, oh I left God. him at home, like all alone in his cage, like just something, things I would never do, you know? And right. the next like five months of my life was just complete torture. Like I was, I just was at home and like the people who I thought were closest to me that I thought would support me and not drinking, it was almost like I was mirroring something that they didn't want to look at within themselves. And, yes. and so it just, it really like they, they were just really, really mean about everything. Like, they were like, they almost like didn't believe that that had happened to me because I was this party girl who, and like, who knows everyone? Like, how could you have been in a situation like that? You know, like it was, right. it was hard trying to convince your friends that this terrible thing had happened to you and you had to like go to the doctor to make sure that nothing was wrong, you know, like, and then, so yeah, you, you just became this really dark period where like, I didn't, I couldn't go anywhere because I didn't know how to talk to people. I felt like I was being judged all the time. Like, if I saw someone in the hallway of my building, like I went the other way, like I just couldn't, I couldn't show my face in public. Like I just felt so gross within my own body that like, I don't know, it was just the grossest feeling. So I ended up not drinking for five months. Wow. And in that five months, like I always tell people this because it's so mind boggling to me, but like in that five months, my life and sober Saturdays progressed more than my life has in the past 10 years. Like like turning off the alcohol just like mm-hmm. turned on life like it sounds so cliche totally I know, but, like i swear the secret like the, the 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 book the secret should just be don't drink alcohol like i swear that's, that's yeah. literally like if i would have known that i don't like it just blows my mind that like 
it's so glamorized. Like drink, everything is with drinking. You know, like you celebrate with drinking. Like you had a bad day, you drink. Like, uh, like you know what I mean? Like, and and it's actually right. just, it's like the final yeah, solution. It's just like dumbing you down. And like I had no idea. And I was just like, this secret is amazing, and everyone needs to know about it. So that's when I started like really feeling mm-hmm. things into sober Saturdays. But it was hard because my friends were like, "Okay, Katie, like who are you to be doing this?" when I know you and I know how you party. And I'm like, but that's why I should be doing it is because one, I need this project just as much as it needs me. And two, it's like, I I know both sides of things and I'm young enough to help people at a young age so that they can choose to make better choices because they're educated and they have a safe space. And instead of just being them getting to a harmful point where it's suddenly they have to be embarrassed and it's alcoholics anonymous and like narcotics anonymous, you know? Right. And so I guess, the the people not believing in me is what helped it. And then after five months, I, I'd broken, mm. I'd kind of like broken things off with the guy I was seeing at the time. And I was trying to see new people, but dating when not drinking is really weird at first. Whoa. Yeah. Yep. You like go out for like dinner and stuff. <laughs> and like, they're like, Oh, you're not going to drink. And you're like, no, I'm good. And then they're like, they feel awkward for not drinking. And they're like, yeah. well, why don't, why aren't you drinking? And like, in my head, I'm like, why would you ask me why I'm not drinking? Yeah. Like, shouldn't I be asking you, like, what are you avoiding? Why are you drinking? Like, you know? Yeah. Why what are, are you, you drinking? drinking? And <laughs> so it just, it, like, the clarity of not drinking really gave me all of these, like, it, it just made me deal with everything. And that's why it was so hard. Like, I didn't, I like, luckily, I had something that scared me enough to make me not want to drink or do drugs that, like, I had to deal with my own emotions. And then that's when I started going to therapy. Like I go to therapy once a week and like I have seen like more therapists than I can count on my fingers and toes just from court order from like when I was younger. But I wouldn't say any of them have ever, ever right. helped me or like I can't even remember one thing that any of them said that I have carried on within my life. And this therapist, she's um my oh, first great. session. I just went in there and literally I couldn't even get one word out. It was just like burst out into tears and I hate crying in public. Well, I did hate crying in public. It, it's helped so much. I can't even explain. It's, it's crazy. I can't believe I used to be so against therapy, but it was just because I didn't get to pick my therapist, which is crazy. Like, I think everyone should be able to find a therapist that fits with them, not just like anyone. You know? Right. So I started doing that. Yeah. Right. And you also had, exactly. To, you didn't really have a choice. It's it was the like, worst. forced totally. upon like, you. I also, yeah, it's the worst yeah. being told what to do. I guess like, probably for me even more just since I didn't have parents. So I, I've never had anyone telling me like, yes or no or whatever. So like, especially like, especially in mm-hmm. relationships too. like, if someone, if like, I feel like I'm being talked down to it all or like belittled, I just like lose my shit. You know, I'm like, I am independent. La la la. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then I, I started drinking a bit um, after going on a few dates and for two months, I'd say I started drinking. And at first I was like, I was like, I wasn't feeling more confident. Like I didn't tell this person that I, I didn't drink. And I was like, like the first, cause I was, I saw two people mm-hmm. really briefly. And the first one I told I didn't drink and it didn't really work out. <laughs> and then the second person, I just didn't say anything, but I, I just wouldn't drink very much, but I was having tons of fun. And I was like, okay, like I have this under control, <clears throat> but then things with that person didn't work out. And right. that kind of put me in like a weird spiral because I was like, Oh, I'm alone. What am I? Like, I don't understand relationships. Nothing ever works out, blah, blah, blah. And so then I started partying a little bit again. And then Sober Saturdays went on a standstill. Like, I can't even explain. Like, the universe just stopped answering me. It was like, 
nope, you're not getting any more help. Whereas like before it was like, it was giving me the right amount of tasks to, to go about. Like it'd be like, it would hand me one thing. Like I was never overwhelmed. It was just like, everything was so fluent. I just always had the right contacts. And then like literally the day I started drinking, it was like nothing was working out and it was crazy. And yeah, it was really hmm. weird. Well, maybe because right? it's called Sober and Saturdays. Then, the universe was like, what are you uh, doing? No. I was like trying to justify it. I'm like, it's research. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. And yeah. no, you're, you're, you're <laughs> done with research. <laughs> research for who? Come yeah. back to life. Like, how many times are you going to be tired forever? Like, yeah. So I'm just right. like, I don't want my dog to look at me like that anymore, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> oh my like, god yes sorry. i know exactly Mommy's what you busy. mean go away yeah. no hugs yeah. <laughs> don't look at me um and yeah so then recently I, I just started seeing someone new and and he also was like kind of known for being the party person but it was weird we both totally level each other out like i i don't want like his presence and like doing things with him is like way better than way better than um having to do it while i'm drinking or, or whatever you know so it was literally just like yeah it was literally just like meeting the right people and then i didn't have to i didn't have to be any under any sort of influence yeah i mean that's like the ideal yeah. so it kind of just like made me realize that um the people i was surrounding myself with well not they weren't making me drink but they were i didn't feel comfortable enough so i i felt like i had to drink Wow, that is an intense story. Yeah, that's in, that's my life. You're oh, amazing. You you really are. You realize that, for. right? Um, well, I don't know. Like, it's hard because on the outside, that like people say that, but like I have nothing to compare it to, and I'm stressed out all the time. So it's like, <laughs> how amazing am I? And like, also like, if my drug addict parents don't like want me, like how like my self worth is all weird, you know? Yeah, yeah, I just I, like I, totally obsessed over personal growth and I just would like read a self-help mm -hmm. book after self-help book after self-help book and just so I could understand people because I literally have never seen a proper relationship. I've never been anywhere more like the longest I've ever stayed in one one house is four years like ever with the same people, you know, it's always been different every single year. And so right. literally when I finally got out on my own and I was like, sweet independence, I was like, I don't know how to talk to people don't know how to be in a relationship and yeah kind of just convinced myself right. that i would i just i legitimately be like became comfortable knowing that i would never be with anyone <laughs> i was like no i just it's not i don't think it's for me like i wow. convinced myself but like now that i've found a person right. that it just makes so much sense um it it's not hard at all and i, I literally i wrote a post the other day because someone had said something to me and they said love is supposed to be nourishing and that just blew my fucking mind. Cause I was like, what? I was like, to me, love was all, what I grew up on was like, love was about sacrifice. Like how much I could give people like to help them, like how much yeah. time or money, like how could I understand them better? Like, could I help them get into programs? Like, you know, like what could I do for you to help you be better? Like that's, I was just so selfless. Well, what I thought was selflessness, but I had become like a pushover and people figured right. that out. Right. But you're also trying to keep yeah. them around. You're like, you know, putting up all these yeah. offerings, you know, in exchange for mm -hmm. their love and in exchange for and it's attention. like as soon as you have something, as totally soon as you don't have sense. anything to give them or you say no, then it's just, they're so mean, right. you know? And then it just fucks you up. You're just like, you just become so small all the time. And like, 
I always had, I always had like good starts to things, but I had no follow through because I would get so discouraged and I would have no support and like no one to call and just be like, I don't know how to study or like, I don't know where to apply for a class. Like I literally have never done any of this and I don't have anyone to ask. And it, it just would become too overwhelming. And I would have an anxiety attack and just drop out of school. You know, it was just like, I can't do it. But Sober Saturdays has mm-hmm. just been well, you're also working a kid. for me and with me. And it's the most incredible feeling I can, I can explain. I've just never experienced something like that before. <laughs> Where are your events and how often do you have Sober Saturdays? Um, okay. So, uh, at the beginning, I wanted to hold them monthly because mm-hmm. that seemed like enough, but like I still go to school five days a week and I have another job and I have a dog and I study. So once a month was yeah. kind of a lot. At and first. a life. Mostly like just because, yeah, because I was just like trying to plan everything myself. Um, and mm-hmm. then I found like as soon as I was done one event, like I should have already like had the other one launched and like I just like couldn't organize myself that well. But um, so yeah. I was doing it every second month and initially I wanted to um, just do it. Like there's a lot of really cool personal, like there's not a lot of chains in Edmonton, like chain restaurants and bars, like a lot of it is like my friends own like really cool things. So I, I want like the first one I held was at El Cortez and El Cortez is this like amazing, um, tequila bar that my friends own. And they've had like graffiti artists from like Ibiza come down and do like, like six story murals and stuff. So it's like a really gorgeous space. Um, just like, really rad. So I did it on the patio there and I, uh, yeah. So obviously there's like, we had our own bar out there. There was no booze or no one with booze could go out there um, in that space. And then, Sands Bar. Yeah, Sands <laughs> Bar. And then the second Sands one, bar. there's um, this like mom and pop cafe in my building called The Nook. And the woman, mm-hmm. uh, like I guess like the family that runs it, she's so darling. Like her name's Lindsay and she's married to a, a man named SJ. And mm-hmm. they're just the most supportive people in the community I've ever met <laughs> pretty much also with my cool. personal issues. I can just like run down there and talk to her. <laughs> She's the best. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So then I held the, I had like a late night tea party and that was there this last Saturday. Um, cool. And then recently, uh, the, like the Canadian NA, um, I guess like, what would you call them? Order or something like product manager. <laughs> um, okay. for like, uh, yeah, alcohol free things for liquor depot and wine and beyond reached out to me. And so now cool. they want me to start doing, yeah, mixology workshops. So I have one of those in January as well as a, a brunch and vision board making event. Yeah. Oh my God. That sounds so fun. Yeah. So I try and hold I them at different that. locations every time, um, with yeah. like the end goal to integrate actually good tasting non-alcoholic um drinks and like i guess spirits into local bars and restaurants yeah and so the parties are kind of to create a safe space as well as promote the products what is your go-to non-alcoholic beverage of choice Mm, well i've been using i've been using seedlip a lot lately they have they just came out with an orange version and yeah it's it's really delicious um i've been mixing them with I, I really like making like sort of like floral lemonades and at the Italian center, you can get like these rose and lavender uh, syrups. Yeah. So I kind of just like play around with it until then. Um, but my friend just brought back this like non-alcoholic beer from the Ukraine and it was so delicious. <laughs> I, I like chugged oh, it. Wow. I was like, is this okay? I was like, 
I'm allowed to do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> Refreshing. How can it hurt you when it tastes so good? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's all oh, kind of your drinks are like fancy. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing is like, I tried to, like, I, I was, I didn't want to just have like pop and like chips and hot dogs, you know? So yeah. I really tried to think about why people obsess over liqueurs and wines and stuff. And when I thought about wine, yeah. it's like people, they obsess over like where the grape was, oh, is this so plain? Uh, where the grape was made and um, how long it was bottled for and like, blah, 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 like the whole backstory. So I really wanted to find like eclectic ingredients that people would obsess over and that would mm -hmm. keep them interested and that they hadn't heard of before. So the UK is kind of on the uprise right now for like fancy spirits that are non-alcoholic yeah, and really sweet. Yeah. Well, it's like an there's another form. one that's totally and there's another one that's just coming out. Like it's not even released yet in the bottle. I think her Instagram is like just starting. It's called Kalino. Mm -hmm. It's um C A L E N O, and um, okay. it's this girl who she she created this. Um, tropical non-alcoholic spirit from Colombia. Um, and so it's more of a fruity flavor and I'm excited about that. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That sounds nice. Mm -hmm. I'm just like a straight up kombucha girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because about... I'm on the, I'm on like the Edmonton recovery committee. And so, uh, like I help plan this like recovery event every year now, but yeah. Um, with like AA and whatnot, I find that like, I have to be super careful with like my verbiage and like how I go about things. And so like, yes. I can't bring non-alcoholic beverages there because it's triggering and I can't, um, kombucha is still a fermented fruit in lots of people's minds. And so, um, not either, but yeah, I've teamed up with a local kombucha brewery in the city actually. Yeah. Nice. I mean, yeah, I know kombucha has a little bit of, it's like, touch and go because it does technically yeah. contain a little bit of alcohol but that's i mean you would literally have to like yeah. chug a keg of kombucha Anything. to even feel any remote totally. i think the fda got in there and was like whoa <laughs> what's going <Yeah>. on here <laughs> so i wanted to talk mm -hmm. about aa and like how you practice your sobriety what is what does your routine or um, practice look so like? So pretty much after I shedded a bunch of friends that weren't friends, um, my social situations changed. So that was mm -hmm. one big step is like just not putting myself into the scenarios because I was just going to like a lot of underground raves and <laughs> events for networking purposes that weren't really networking purposes. Um, and so I, like, I didn't go to right. any meetings and I didn't, I didn't, um, yeah, go to anything like that. Like I'm obsessed ever since I was like young, I'm obsessed with reading self-help books. And so anytime I have a problem, I'm like, Oh, there must be a section for this. And I'm okay. like, perfect. So I tried reading like the Russell Brandt, the Russell Brandt, like his yeah. version of the 12 step program. But once it, yeah, once it got to the list, every mm -hmm. person you've ever done anything wrong to, and then write down exactly what you did and then call each and every one of them specifically. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> None of that is happening. That sounds like I'm regressing. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I just, I knew that I still wanted to be able to go out and I wanted to be in social situations, but I knew that I just had to practice myself worth and myself um, talk, I guess. So I would, it started off small. Like I would still go to bars and restaurants 
that I would go to before. But if, if at any, I just had to be really honest with myself. Mm -hmm. If at any point I was like, oh yeah, maybe I could have just one. I was like, okay, I have to leave now. Like, it was like, no question. I was like, I got to go now. And like, that was, that was just that. I was like, no, I'm not just going to stay and try right. and push myself through. It's like, no, I can make it this far. And like, I know like over time I'll be able to stay longer and longer, but right now, like I have to leave right now. And I just had to get over the fact that that's how it right. was. I was like, I didn't want to be upset about it. I was yeah. like, no, I'm, it's a learning, it's a learning curve and that's what's happening right now. Yeah. I mean, setting those boundaries. I mean, totally. that's, that's self-care right there. It like, just taking like being, care I, of number like being one. really honest with like your body's cues too. Like, like I always, I always find like you have this weird body language, like mm. your stomach growls, like, you know, you're hungry or like you get a headache, you're probably dehydrated. And so I just like kind of tried to think of it as like a language between me and my body that only I would understand. And so I had to pay attention to it or else no one else would listen. <laughs> it's sad. Yeah. It's like, it kind of sounds weird. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. But... <laughs> oh, I love that. That makes so much sense. I love that. I love how you <laughs> explain that. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. One more question for you. What piece of advice would you give to someone listening to this podcast right now, either thinking of getting sober or in their sobriety, kind of struggling? What tidbit of advice can you give to the listeners? uh, The biggest thing for me was that I was I was masking all my issues. And so I always just told myself I made like my own mantra and I was like, you have to feel through it in order to get over it. And by like using substances, like I was just masking it. And so I was never actually dealing with mm-hmm. anything. But once I like took that mask off, it was disgustingly terrifying and uncomfortable, but that's, that's what you have to do. <laughs> that's, that's just it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, avoidance is just going to make it harder and draw things out. And totally. Plus like the built up anxiety done. that you build up around things. is like, it makes it yeah. so much worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh Yeah. 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 Like the fear, the fear that we create in our, in our minds and like the what ifs are always yeah. way I always worse like, than I, I don't know, reality. I, I watched like a, or I listened to a bunch of like self-motivating videos online all the time. And one of them was like this guy saying that like, uh, the first thing you should do in the morning is like make your bed. And then like, anytime you have an inkling to do something, like if you're like, Oh, I should, call this person to like set up a meeting or something. It's like, if you do it right at that moment before you have time to think about it, then one, it gets done super quick. And two, you don't have time to freak out about it. Yes. Well, thank you so much. See, told ya, Katie is amazing. Yeah, she's a warrior. She's strong. She's an independent woman, but she's also the most kind, loving, generous human I have ever met. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Couldn't do this without you. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, comment, anything. We love to hear your feedback. Hit us up and tag us on your Instagram stories. Tell us what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear, what you like, what you don't like. Always open to suggestions. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girls Guide. And check us out on the web at asobergirlsguide.com. Lots of new things going on with the blog and stay tuned for new A Sober Girls Guide TV video series. Yeah, man, video. Thanks so much for listening and see you next week.